verse 1 to 10. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate at the temple that is called the beautiful gate, to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze and him, as did John, and said, Look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up. And immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word because your word has power. And that very same word that created something impossible to happen 2,000 years ago, that very same word still has the power to radically change our life in a single moment today. And that's what we want to do. That's what we want to hear, Lord. We want to hear your word and we want to be transformed. And God, if we come to this place with small expectation of who you are, I pray that you remind us of your greatness today, Lord. You remind us of, of your beauty, of your glory. And captivates us one more time with your beauty and your glory. And Lord, whatever needs that we come to this place, Lord, help us to see, Lord, that in you, in you, Jesus, we find all the answers to all our problems. And I pray that tonight as we talk about miracles, you help us, Lord, to understand what is the purpose of miracles. And help us to be able to know what to do with it. And give me the wisdom to be able to communicate this message in such a way that it's not only appealing to the mind, but also enlightening to our heart, Lord. So Holy Spirit, make this word come alive in our life. And we ask this in the name of your beloved Son, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. You guys may be seated. So today's message, I titled um, The Miracle and the Message. Well, I love this text, man. I, I do. I'm a, bit, I'm a bit nervous, but I really love it. I mean, as I especially love this line. I have no silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk, okay? Now, every time I read that first, it's like, what a powerful line. But the thing about it is uh, I heard a, a story from many years ago, and this story stuck with me. And every time I read this verse, it always comes up, comes up right? So what happens is there's a church in America um, that has many college students. So they said that the church actually went during the school season, the church attendance triples. Why? Because they have a lot of college students. Like it's similar to us a couple of years ago. So it's have a lot of college students. But uh, so that's interesting. Like so the church attendance triples, but they says this, um, even though the church attendance triples, the offering only increased by $17 a week. Okay, why? Because college students are broke. Okay. So that's one more time. There's one time that um, one college student uh, put a bacon and egg and cheese biscuit in the offering bucket with a little note. Silver and gold I have none, but such as I have, I give unto you, okay? And I thought that was funny, okay? But please do not come to church next week with your Vegemite sandwich and put it in the offering box with the notes, I have no silver and gold, okay? 
That's funny when it happened to other church. It's not funny when it happened to this church, okay? Don't do that, okay? And that's not the point of the text. But in this text, you and I will see miracle, okay? So at the end of Acts chapter 2, we found that the apostle upon, uh, performed many signs and wonders. That's miracle. And now in, in Acts chapter 3, Luke, the writer of the book of Acts, decided to zoom in in one particular miracle. So in Acts chapter 2, the apostle empowered by the Holy Spirit, they performed many signs and wonders. The six got healed, just like, bam, miracles every time, or everywhere, sorry. But now Luke decided to focus on one particular miracle. And this miracle is the first miracle that is um, written, recorded in the book of Acts. I think there's two reasons why uh, Luke did that. Okay? First of all, if you do not know, Luke himself was a doctor. He's a physician. So when he saw what happened, what he recorded, what we just read, it captured his heart because he knew the impossibility of what happened in his eyes, before his eyes. Like a lame man, a lame man from birth actually able to walk and live. And he does not have word for that. So that, that's why we call it a miracle. Okay? It, it's just captivate him as a physician. Okay? That's the first reason. But the second reason is this. Many commentaries will tell you, and many scholars will say, that if you understand what happened in Acts chapter 3, then you will understand what happened in all miracles that happened in the book of Acts. So this is like the miracle on top of all miracles. The miracle that will give you the message behind every miracle. Okay, and at the same time, this is what I want to do as well. Okay, I want to answer this question. Should we expect miracles to happen today? Okay, or if I can zoom, zoom it in a little bit more. Does God still perform miraculous physical healing today? Okay, and you guys know my answer, right? I hope you do. So in a sense, in a sense, today is actually Titiktemu part three, but without the other two pastors. So I'm going to brainwash you with my answer, okay? So that's pretty much my goal, Okay. But before we go there, I just want to explain to you the word miracle. Because today, we use the word miracle very loosely. I mean, we call everything miracle. Let me give you an example. Let's say you go to a mall on a boxing day, and you pray and ask God for a parking spot. And the moment you enter that parking spot, you find just that empty spot just for you. And you will say what? Wow, that is a miracle. Okay? Or another one that we do a lot of time, maybe me. I will say like this, you know, guys, I had really difficult time um, with my exam today. I'm not sure if I'm going to pass. Can you please pray for me? So I, I asked my MC to pray for me, and they pray for me. And next week when the result come, you know, you got like distinction or high distinction. And that person will say, wow, that is a miracle. I mean, you have annoying people like that all the time, right? I'm one of them, by the way. Yeah? So that's a miracle. Oh, maybe. Maybe what about this one? Okay, this one is, I think, it's more... Let's say you don't have money on your bank account, and then you have to pay the bill tomorrow. Okay, you have a bill to pay tomorrow, and you absolutely have no money on your bank account, and then you pray, God, please help me, and then you went to bed, and then you wake up the next morning, and you found that there's someone just transferred money to your account to the exact dollar of your bill. What will you call that? You will call that, wow, that is a miracle. However, that is not a miracle. Okay, um, that's a word for that, and that is not a miracle. The word for that is actually providence. Okay, and I'm going to explain to you the difference between providence and miracles. Okay, I'm going to quote Westminster Catechism. Okay, all my secessionist brother will love me for quoting Westminster Catechism. Okay, this is what they say. This is what providence is. God's works of providence are His most holy, wise, and most powerful, preserving and governing all creatures, all His creatures 
and all their action. I know it's complicated. Basically, it means this. Providence is when God actually works behind the scene to let you know that He's there. He cares for you. He pays attention to you. That's providence. Okay? So in 24 hours, you know, in seven days a week, God is always constantly working. He's never absent. And those beautiful experiences are called providence. But miracles are different. Okay, let me define to you what's, what is a miracle. Max Turner put it this way. Miracle is an extraordinary or startling observable event. It cannot reasonably be explained in terms of human ability or other known forces in the world. It is perceived as a direct act of God. Can you tell the difference between the two now? Can, can you start to feel the difference between providence and, and miracle? If not, let me give you the easiest example. When I get cured out of my leukemia by chemotherapy, here's a question. Is that a miracle or is that a providence? How many of you say it's a providence? Raise your hand. How many of you say it's a miracle? Raise your hand. Okay. The right answer is providence. It's not a miracle. Why? Because God uses doctors, God uses nurses, God uses my blood check, God uses the fact that I have to go to my GP just at the right time, you know, the perfect timing for me to be diagnosed with leukemia. And then God used this thing called chemotherapy. And everything just happened to work in such a way, in beautiful harmony, and everything, and, and God pulled that together to heal me out of my cancer. That's called providence. Miracles, if when I'm diagnosed by leukemia, someone pray for me, and the next day, boom, it's gone. That's miracle. Can you see the difference now between providence and miracle? Okay, I hope it's obvious, okay? Because the argument today is about miracle, okay? Every good Christian believes in providence. They know that God's never absent. But the question is, does God still perform miracle today? Okay, does God still perform miracle as the one we see in Acts chapter 3 today? Well, let's get into the text. So I only have two points, the miracle and the message. Let's talk about the miracle first, okay? The miracles is fascinating. So one day, John and Peter are going to the temple to pray at three in the afternoon. And as they're about to enter the temple, they see a man who's lame from birth, standing, oh, asking, sorry, sitting down in front of the gate, asking for money, okay? And I love the name of the gate. They call the name of the gate what? The beautiful gate, okay? I was going to, well, I think we can change the name of our door, the gorgeous door, right? It's going to be great. But no, okay, that's not a good idea. But there's a reason why he's sitting at the front of the gate. There's two reasons. First, because he's a social outcast. See, a lame person is not allowed to enter the inner part of the temple. So they have to remain in the outer part of the temple. They're outcasts. That's the first reason. But the second reason is this. Okay, the second reason is this. He needs money. Okay? Because he's extremely needy. There's nothing he can do. He's lame from birth. And his only hope to survive is from generosity of other people who come to the temple. And the Jews see almsgiving as a meritorious act. So for the Jew, actually, almsgiving is something that is recommended throughout the Scripture. In the Bible, there's a constant command for Christians to take care of the poor. So that means this. So when people come to the temple to pray and they see this lame man in front of the gate, they will be more inclined to give. You know that? Why? Because they're about to enter the temple. They're about to worship God. And it's a good thing. It's got something that got commanded. It's just like this. The easiest example, there are a couple of times that homeless people will come to our church. And every time they do, I will get called out, right? Because, you know, 
I am the full-time of the church. I will get called out and I will talk to the homeless pastor. I'm not homeless pastor, sorry. The homeless guy. <laughs> I'm not a homeless guy. I will talk to the homeless guy. And basically, you know, at the end of the conversation, you know what happened, right? You know exactly what happened. I have no silver and gold, but whatever I have on my wallet, I give it to you, right? 20 bucks, here you go. Okay, why? Because I'm more inclined to give because we are in the church. A simple, so simple logic like that. So this... This man, this lame man, his only hope is for people to be generous to him. So he, he's waiting, sitting at the front of Beautiful Gate, and he's asking for money. And that's, what, that's the only thing that he could hope for, money. But that day, he never realized that God has something far bigger than what he ever expected. So the story goes like this. So Peter and John comes out to the temple, and he sees the, sees the lame man, and the lame man sees him, and the lame man asks for money. And probably this is not the first time Peter and John see this man because, you know, this man is always there for 40 years. Apparently, this man is over 40 years old. So Peter and John has walked past this man for many days, for many weeks maybe, or years. But finally, something about that day um, that changed everything. So when Peter sees this man asking for money, Peter asks John, all right, John, do you have any money? I don't have any cash on me, right? And John like, I don't have either. Okay, they're broke. Maybe they're still in college. So they don't have any money. So finally, uh, you know, so when the lame man asked for money, this is what Peter say. Look at us. How many of you realize this is awkward? Okay. If I am talking in front of many people and I say, guys, look at me. That's not awkward. But if I sit in front of you drinking coffee one-on-one and I say, guys, I mean, Edric, look at me. Okay. Pay attention. No, no, no. Don't look at that. Look at me. Okay. That's awkward. But you know what? Paul, uh, Peter is trying to say, Peter is trying to get his attention. Hey, man, I want you to pay attention to me. And if I was the lame man, what would I think? This is a good day because that means I'm going to get a lot of money. Are you with me on that? Because if, if, he, this per, if Peter calls his attention, I mean, okay, Peter most likely going to give him some money. Okay? But then what Peter says next is very disappointing. I have no silver and gold. And the lame man like, then why you call my attention? Like, what on earth are you asking me to look at you for? Because all I hope from you is money. And now you what? You tell me you have no silver and gold? And then Peter said, I have no silver and gold. But what I have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Now, I want you to think with me for a bit, okay? Think about if you are the lame man. Can you, can you imagine how absurd this command is? I mean, for 40 years, for 40 years, he is unable to walk. For 40 years, he's been asking people for money. And maybe for 40 years, he tried to walk, but every time he tried to walk, he fell constantly. Why? Because he's lame. He cannot do it. And now this man has the audacity to say to me, look at me. Okay, now I look at him and he say, I have no money. Wait, what? And now he tell me to rise up and walk. What an absurd command. Are you kidding me? And it's what Peter did. While the, while the lame man still confused, Peter grabbed him and raises him. And suddenly, the unexplainable happened. The text tells us immediately the feet and the ankle of the lame man are made strong. That is supernatural. Okay, I remember when I dislocated my knee, okay? It took me months, months. I'm talking about months for my knee to get better. And I have to go see physio once or twice a week for them to torture me, Okay? It's painful. But why? Because they try to strengthen my knee. 
Okay, it does not work that one day you're scared in your knee and the next day it works just fine. It does not work that way. In fact, if you have baby, if you have kids, and you know, a baby needs to learn how to walk. Baby first need to learn how to crawl. A baby first need to learn how to take their first step. Do you know why? Because they need to develop strength on their ankle and on their feet. But yet this man never used his feet and ankle for 40 years. Never. And instantaneously, boom, he's not only walking. What what the Bible say? He's leaping. He's jumping. So this is supernatural. And he began to praise God. And because of that, the crowd began to gather. Because the crowd, remember, wait, this is the man that we see every single day in front of the temple asking for money. How on earth is this man right now walking, leaping, praising God? So the crowd began to gather while this man, I love it, but the Bible said this man is clinging to Peter and John. So this man will not let go of Peter and John. And when that happened, when the crowd began to gather around Peter and John, Peter realizes, "Uh uh-uh, this is opportunity. And Peter began to preach. You know why? Because Peter understands something. Because the message of miracle is more important than the miracle itself. You can receive miraculous healing, but it is useless unless you also receive the message of the miracle. Because more than temporary physical healing, what you need first and foremost is eternal healing. Okay, that's the message. Okay, so what's the message? There's three parts of the message, okay? The first one, the message, the miracles point to Jesus. Acts 3, verse 11 to 16 says this, while he clung to Peter and John, all the people, utterly astounded, ran together to them in the portico called Solomon's. And when Peter saw it, he addressed the people, men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Or why do you stare at us as though by own power or piety we have met him walk? The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorify his servant Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. But you deny the holy and righteous one and ask for murderer to be granted to you. And you kill the author of life, whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses. And his name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given the man this perfect health in the presence of you all. I love it. So when the crowd are amazed at what happened, you know what Peter say? Why are you staring at me? It ain't me. I can't do this. I'm not able to do this. It's not me. And it's not witchcraft either. It is Jesus who does it. Okay, it is the very person who you kill and you murder, the author of life. He is the one who does it. It is in his name that this man is healed. See, I love this because this is consistent with the work of the Holy Spirit that we learned a couple of weeks ago. The Holy Spirit always glorifies Jesus. So when this, when, when this miracle happened, Peter does not say, wow, look at me, how amazing I am. No, what Peter say? It's not me. It's Jesus, okay? So Peter does not want to even touch a bit of the glory. It's not him that healed, but it was Jesus. See, if I was Peter, I would do different thing. If I was Peter, I would get this man's testimony and put it on my healing website, okay? And I would put it in my name card. I would call myself the man who healed a man lame from birth. And I will put it in my name card for sure, immediate healer with 99% success rate. But Peter understand that miracles is not about the meaning of miracle, but about the God of miracle. 
Miracles point to Jesus. Okay, it gets even better. That's why in verse 16, Peter says this, and in and his name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given this, this, the man this perfect health in the presence of you all. Peter said this word, by faith in his name. Here's my question. Whose faith? Let me tell you the wrong answer. The wrong answer cannot be the layman. I mean, the wrong answer is the layman. It cannot be the layman. Do you know why? Because the layman does not even ask for healing. All he hoped for is what? Cash, silver, and gold. He does not want to expect any healing whatsoever. This tells us something about the lie of many prosperity preachers. Because prosperity preachers will say this, God can heal, God loves to heal, God wants to heal you, all you have to do is ask God. Okay? And if you ask God and you're not healed, who's the problem? You. Because you do not have enough faith. That's why it's 99% success rate. There's 1% chance of you not having enough faith. That's what they do. But this is not the case. We know from this story that it is not about the faith of the recipient. Of course, again, I'm not saying that means you do not have faith. You do not need faith for miracles to happen. Because the gospel tells us as well, the story in the gospel, that Jesus many times did not able to perform any miracles because of lack of faith. But yet, Jesus is not limited by anyone's faith. See, He's sitting on the throne. He's that sovereign. He's that powerful that He can make things happen even when there is no faith. Now listen carefully. Miracles does not need the right formula. It needs the right name. The name of Jesus is the powerful agent of miracle. Since the name of Jesus is that powerful that it can create faith where there is no faith. That it can create faith where there is none. He's on the throne. So when Jesus, that's why when Peter performed this miracle, Peter said what? It is in what name? In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. It is in that name miracles happen. Just as Jesus' miracle accredited him before the people, every miracle continue to be done to point to people who Jesus is. John Piper put it this way. The wonder attracts the crowd to hear the word, and the wonder attests the living truth of the exalted Jesus in the word. Miracles are wonderful pointer to who Jesus is. All of that is simply for me to ask you this question. This is the question. Does God still miraculously heal today? Anyone want to know my answer? My answer is yes. Here's, a, here's my argument for five minutes, and I'm going to leave it there. There's nothing in the Bible that indicates that God has stopped healing. I believe the same name that had the power to miraculously heal 2,000 years ago still have the same power to miraculously heal today. Which leads me to another question. Then, should we expect miraculous healing to be our everyday norm? That's the question, right? Here's my answer. Yes and no. Okay, I cheat a bit on that one. But let me explain why it's yes and no. Let me explain. Yes, God still heal. Yes, God continue to heal. But even so, you need to understand there is something unique about the apostles' ministry. 
Okay? God anointed the apostle with supernatural power to perform miracles. Why? To let the world know that their message is not theirs, that their message is actually Jesus' message. That this Holy Spirit is not their spirit, but Jesus' spirit. So, in other words, this apostles are given the supernatural gift to perform miracles, just a bam, 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 bam. Why? To validate their ministry. Because they're going to be the one who write the Bible for us. So, there is some uniqueness about the apostolic ministry that is not repeatable today. Am I clear on that? Yet, his, okay, because at that time, all my secessionist friends were like, amen, brother, preach it. Yet, here's my yet, my big yet. There's nothing in the Bible that indicates that God stopped from performing miracles today. Because in 1 Corinthians 14 and Ephesians 4, it says it's the gift of the Spirit, which one of them, the gift of healing, is given to the church for the common good, for the good of the church, until the church becomes perfectly healthy. And that is when Jesus returned the second time. So until that time, we should expect continuation of the gift of healing. Okay, are you with me on that? That's why I say yes and no. So yes, we cannot expect us to be like a pastor, like bam, 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 bam. But at the same time, yes, miracles still happen. So when you pray to God, God can still able to perform miracle. But yet, healing is not a formula. Healing is a sovereign gift of God. He still does it. He does, still does it. But he does not. It's not a formula. You just know, okay, if I just say the right name, then it will happen. It does not work that way. So it's my encouragement. So if God leads you to pray for someone in a wheelchair, go for it. Go for it. Pray for it and believe that God will heal that person. But don't go to a mall. Find someone in a wheelchair and randomly command them, rise up and walk in the name of Jesus. No. Thinking like, if Peter did it, I can always do it today. Okay, you get sent to a mental hospital. Don't do that. And another reason why we should not expect the supernatural occurrences to happen every day just like that is because of this. Because of the word common grace. Do you know what the word common grace is? Common grace means grace that God's pour out on everyone and not just believer. Okay, one example of common grace is rain. See, God pour out rain on believer and non-believer. And one of the common grace that we have today is called medicine. Medicine, the advancements of medicine in our days is God's common grace. It is available to both believer and non-believer. So I'm extremely grateful for the common grace of medicine because God used that in many ways to heal me from, uh, from cancer. See, but here's what you need to get. Believing in the miraculous gift of healing does not replace the need for normal medical procedure. Just because God still healed today does not mean you stop believing in your doctor. Because I hear many bizarre stories, okay? Maybe not in our generation, but in our older generation, a lot of people refuse to receive medical treatment in the name of faith in God's ability to heal. You heard that story before? And they ended up losing their life because of it. Okay, that is not faith. Okay, that's stupidity. Okay, because remember, Luke is a doctor. Luke himself is a doctor. So he believed in medicine, but he also believed in God's ability to heal. He chose both. So now with the advancement of uh, medicine, that means this. There's less supernatural grace of healing that you need in daily life. So when you have headaches, for example, what do you do? Okay, you pray to God. God, please heal me out of my headache. That is great. That is awesome. 
But if God does not heal you out of your headache, does, don't complain to God, God, I thought you still heal. Because God will reply to you, yeah, I gave you Panadol. You know, you know what I'm saying? You guys, you guys get what I'm trying to say? So there's a, there's a good, good combination between common grace and supernatural grace that we need to, be, to, to live in tension with. Okay? That's all I'm going to say about physical healing. But the second one, and this is the more important one. Miracles point to the deepest problem. Because as bad as physical sickness is, there's something worse, and that is called spiritual sickness. See, when the lame man looked at Peter, all he hoped for is some cash. Give me some cash, silver and gold. But then Peter replied, hold on a second. I don't have what you're asking from me. I don't have what you're looking for from me, but I have something better. I have something that you truly need that you do not understand you need right now. Of course, at that context, Peter is talking about what? Physical healing. But if you read Acts chapter 4, you'll find out that this lame man eventually became a believer. He became one of the first Christians in the book of Acts. So this man not only received physical healing, but he also received what he truly needs, salvation. Okay, that reminds me of the story when Jesus healed a paralytic man. Luke chapter 4, very similar story. So one day a group of friends come to see Jesus and they brought their friends who's paralyzed, paralytic, and they put him before Jesus. And you know what Jesus does? I love it. So Jesus walk up to the man and say, my son, your sins are forgiven. Now think about it. Try to put yourself in the shoe of this paralytic man. What would you say? Uh, thank you, but you're missing the point. I am not here for forgiveness of sin. Well, thank you for forgiving my sin, but I'm, that's not why I'm here. My friend brought me here in order for you to cure me and make me able to walk. You remember that? That's what the man is expecting. That's what man, this man desires. But do you know what Jesus is saying? What Jesus is saying, Jesus is not saying physical healing is not important. That's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus will eventually heal this paralytic man. But what is Jesus is saying, what you need first and foremost is not physical healing. It is spiritual healing. What you need first and foremost is spiritual healing. And this is something that silver and gold cannot give you. This is something that no money can give you. This is more than what you think you need. What you need above all is relationship with God. And in order for you to have, to have relationship, you must receive forgiveness of sin. What you need more than physical healing is to have your sins forgiven so that you can have a right relationship with God. With another word, here's my point. That means every miracle is a parable to our greatest need. A lot of time, what you think you need is very shallow. What we think we need is very shallow. So we think, in order for me to be happy, I need silver and gold. In order for me to be happy, I need to be able to walk. Okay? So we say things like, if only I can walk. If only I can marry that person. If only I can have that job. If only I can have a child. If only I can have that kind of family. See, all of us, if we want to be honest, we have this something superficial that we say, if I have that very thing, I'll be happy. But Jesus is telling us, having that thing will not make you happy. Let me prove it to you. The lame man thinks that if he just has silver and gold, or if he's just able to walk, 
he'd be happy, right? Here's a question. How many of you today, you can walk, and yet you're not happy in life? That's the, that's the case. So that with another word, walking does not equate to happiness. So whatever you think that will make you happy, Jesus said it will fail, it will crumble because you need something more. And what is it that you need? And Peter will give you the answers, okay? So when the crowd gathers around Peter, Peter used the opportunity to do what? Not to do healing crusade. He does not say, bring me all the six, I'm going to heal them. He does not say that. But you know what he said? He preached the gospel to them. He says to them, to the crowd, you sin against God. You kill the author of life. You kill Jesus who healed this man. And he continued, verse 17. And now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did also your rulers. But what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets, that his Christ would suffer, he does fulfill. Repent, therefore, and turn back, that your sin may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send Christ, the appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time of for restoring all the things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophet long ago. Here's what Peter does. Repent. Because that is our most important need. You need to turn from your sin and turn to God. And miracles only point you to your greatest need. And what is that? Repentance. Because your physical sickness is just a parable of far greater sickness that you and I have. And that is called sin, spiritual sickness. And here's the truth. Just like that man is lame physically, all of us are spiritually lame. From birth. See, from the moment we are born, the Bible tells us we are born with a sinful heart. Our hearts are inclined towards sin. Our heart rejected God. Our heart does not want anything to do with God. And in order for us to be healed out of this sickness, someone else needs to heal us. And the good news for us is that Jesus entered that sinful world. Jesus entered our world, and He healed us from our sin. And this is the greatest miracle. Jesus, the author of life, the one who has all the power over heaven and earth, the one who has the strength to kill us any moment, the one who's infinite, He made Himself killable. He was killed for us. He took the punishment that belonged to you on me upon Himself. He died and He was resurrected. And because He was resurrected, He sit at the right hand of God with all power and authority. And He made this proclamation over you and me. Your sins are forgiven. Rise up and walk. And the moment you hear Jesus say that word over you, repent, your sins are forgiven by your faith in Him. The moment you hear that, here's what happened. Your sinful heart suddenly got healed. You who were dead because of your trespasses suddenly came alive. Suddenly, out of nowhere, faith conjure up on your heart. Faith does not come from your intellect. No, faith conjure up because the word of Christ has healed you. And because faith conjure up, you believe, you look to Him. Jesus, you are God. And that moment, you are forgiven of all your sin. Your sins are blotted out. You are holy and righteous. You are healed of your spiritual sickness once and for all. See, that is what we need first and foremost. And that is what miracle point at. Your greatest need. 
and my greatest need. But that's not the end. The third thing. A miracle points to the future. Miracles point to the future. Now, every commentary I read, note that this miracle is a foretaste of what God will do in the future. See, the world that we live in right now is tainted with sin, okay? The world that we live in right now is the, not the world that God originally created. In the beginning, everything was good. There was no sickness, no pain, no cry, no tears. But when sin entered the world and corrupted God's good creation, everything crumbled. That's why the world that we live in right now are filled with pain and suffering. But here's the good news. That's not the end of the story. See, when Jesus died at the cross, he not only died to purchase your forgiveness and my forgiveness. No, he purchased the restoration of all creation. Once and for all, he paid the price for the restoration of all creation. And the healing of this lame man is the foretaste of that future. Listen to what Isaiah said. Isaiah 36, verse 4 to 7. Say to those who have an anxious heart, be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, with the recompense of God. He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame, lame man leap like a deer, and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. For waters break forth in the wilderness and stream in the desert, and the burning sand shall become a pool, and the thirsty ground springs of water. In the hands of jackals, where they lie down, the grass shall become reeds and rushes. Here's the word. The lame man shall live like a deer. And that is what we see in Acts 3. However, we have yet to see the grand fulfillment of it. Because today, there's still many lame men. See, that day is yet to come. From the day of Pentecost until the day of Jesus' return, we enter a new era, which we call the last days. And in these last days, miracle function as an anticipation of that future that one day we will have with God. See, miracle continue to tell us that this is not the end of our story. There's a far better story coming for us. And that day is coming when Jesus returns. So that means today, it does not mean that everybody who will, who's sick will be healed. It does not mean that. Because miracles are not fulfillment. Miracles are simply anticipation of the full restoration that we will have in the future. And miracles point us, there will come a day that the blind will see, the lame will walk, the mute will talk, and the deaf will hear. There will be no lame man one day. Until that day come, you and I are called to walk in the power of God, by the Spirit of God, and pray hope for miracles. So, let me close with this. Should we go out there and pray for the sick to receive healing? Should we? That's not a tricky question. If you guys say no, then I fail my sermon pretty much. Definitely, okay? Because we can go and pray with massive confidence knowing that Jesus right now has all the power, all the authority to heal the sick. 
2,000 years ago, there was a name that when that name is proclaimed, people are safe, life will change, and sick at hill. And I believe the same name that has the power 2,000 years ago still have the same power today. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. The Holy Spirit today are working through you and me to be Jesus' hand and faith. So that when you walk out there, you are called to do the works of Jesus. Jesus can work through you, through you, just like he does through Peter. So we should be very bold in believing and trusting God to do miracles. Does that mean that everyone we pray for will be healed? No. Because miracles are simply pointers and not fulfillment. The day of full restoration has yet to come. There will be, there will come, there will be people who will not experience healing in this lifetime. But it's what we must get. And I close with this. Sometimes Christ exalts himself by making sick people get well. And sometimes Christ exalts himself by enabling sick people die well. Have you heard of the name Joni Erickson Tada? Okay, if you do not know, she's a very famous Christian author, um, and what happened is when she was a teenager, she broke her neck in a diving accident, and she's paralyzed from her neck below. She's now in her 70s, and for many years, she prayed for healing. For many years, she constantly believed that God can heal and pray for healing. But until today, she has yet to experience healing. But I love what she wrote. See, she experienced suffering and pain that you and I will never experience. But this is what she writes. She hoped that one day, she will be able to take her wheelchair to heaven. And with a new glorified body, with a new leg, she will stand from her wheelchair and she will stand next to Jesus. And then she will feel the nail-pierced hand of Jesus and she will thank Jesus for everything that Jesus has done, for saving her, for dying for her. And then she will say this. Let me quote her. Lord Jesus, do you see that wheelchair over there? Well, you were right. When you put me in it, it was a lot of trouble. But the weaker I was in that thing, the harder I lean on you. And the harder I lean on you, the stronger I discover you to be. I do not think I would ever have known the glory of your grace were not for the weakness of that wheelchair. So thank you, Lord Jesus, for that. But now if you like, can you please send my wheelchair to hell? See, sometimes God has a bigger purpose than giving us physical healing. Sometimes He allows us to know Him more through the pain that we experience. And sometimes He uses our suffering to let other people see the beauty and the word of the gospel. So what is our role? Simple as this. What do we do? Here's what I want you to do. Trust God. Believe that the Holy Spirit is living inside of you and He's working through you. You are His hand and faith. So go, pray, ask God to do the supernatural. Ask God for the miracles and trust Him for the result. I rather pray for 1,000 people and only one person get healed rather than praying for none and having none get healed. Let's pray. 
Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your words, and I just pray that you continue to help us, Lord, to live in such a way, knowing and understanding that you are living inside of us. That God, Holy Spirit, the Almighty You, the all-powerful You, are living inside of us right now, and You are using us for Your mission, for Your works, for Your purpose. So God, I pray that we be bold. I pray that we be bold in knowing and trusting that You are able to heal every one of our diseases. But that we be bold that believing that You are able to perform miracles beyond what we can imagine and comprehend. And at the same time, help us to trust you. Help us to understand and realize that this is just a foretaste of that future. And if you allow us to live in that pain for now, and healing does not come, we know it's not because you do not hear us, but we know because you are working something greater, something better. So help us to live in such a way that we reflect your beauty, your word, your glory in everything that we do. If that requires us to pray for the sick, then give us the faith and the courage to pray for the sick. But if that requires us to say, Lord, let your will be done in our life, help us to have the courage and faith to say, Lord, let your will be done in our life. So I pray in everything we do, we bring glory to your name. Help us to live in such a way that we point people to you and you alone. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen.